Praise the Lord, everyone. It's good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. If it looks like I'm tired, it's because I am. And uh, when I get tired, my eyes do not open easily. Like I'm not one of those guys that can hop out of bed and uh, look like I've been wide awake 10 minutes later. It takes me a couple hours. And uh, we've had a, had, a, had plenty going on this weekend. And uh, I told somebody this morning, man, I think we got to pray a bunch of people through after Brother Cornwell was here. <laughs> but we had an awesome time with uh, Brother Cornwell and his guys. And, and uh, just I was I'm encouraged to, to go teach Bible studies, to go tell people about Jesus. Amen. I pray that everybody here... Uh, felt the same way after those seminars and that preaching and teaching. But today, this this morning, I do feel uh, very strongly that I have a, a very important uh, message. And uh, I do feel that even this message this morning, um, what happens here and how this is received will affect what happens in the next service. And uh, this has been a message and a lesson I've had kind of sitting here for the uh, last few weeks that I know I've been wanting to teach. I actually taught this same lesson maybe five, six, seven years ago. Um, and Brother Cornwell started talking a little bit about this in our leadership meeting and kind of confirmed it for me. And you can be seated. You can be seated today. But um, it's just a, a very important topic. And, and Brother Cornwell in our, in our leadership meeting said, he asked us, if you were there in the leadership meeting, don't answer, but he asked us what the world's greatest bondage was. The world's greatest bondage. He said it's, it's not drugs. Um, he said it's not alcohol. It's not perversion. It's not materialism. Does anybody know what the, our, our, the world's greatest bondage is? Those both go hand in hand with this, but it is unforgiveness. Pride and unbelief go right hand in hand with this. I I personally believe that more people will miss heaven over this one single thing called unforgiveness. And it's just a, a serious topic. And Jesus did not mince words when talking about forgiveness. He was very to the point. Matthew 6 and 14 says, For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. That's a pretty serious statement that we as uh, Bible-believing Christians, and if we believe this word to be true, we've got to get a hold of the idea of forgiveness. C.S. Lewis said it this way, he says, forgiveness is a beautiful word until you have something to forgive. Amen? Amen. And if you've, if you've been around at all, if you've even been in, in church at all, you realize the importance of forgiveness. And you know that it's a biblical concept. We know that we, we read verses like we just read in Matthew chapter 6, and we know that this is Bible. We've been warned about unforgiveness. And, and we, you know, there's, there also is other you know, things that uh, play into unforgiveness that, that don't even really have anything to do with spirituality. That, you know, when you become an unforgiving person and bitter, it affects other parts of your life. It affects your, even your physical health. It affects your emotional health. It affects your mind. And I've just, I've come to realize in my short life that people who are bitter and are not able to forgive are just no fun. They're just not very happy people. And it seems that health issues follow along with that. A lot, I would say that most of life's disarray and dismay comes from unforgiveness. So, so today, I, 
I'm going to preach this pretty straight. And I, all, I, all I ask is that you, in your personal life, would just take an inventory of forgiveness in your heart. I'm not preaching at a particular situation or a particular person this morning. But that all of us would be able to take an inventory because the, 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 the truth of it is, is we've all been wronged at some point. We've all been hurt. There's been pain along the way. There's no doubt, and some more than others, some more traumatic than others, but God has still required us all to forgive. And today I'm grateful for a God who was willing to go to Calvary for me, to die on a cross so that my sins could be forgiven. I'm thankful for a God who forgave me. Amen. I didn't deserve it. I was guilty. Sitting on that stand in the courtroom, I was guilty as the day is long. I didn't have enough money to pay the fee for the crime I had committed. But he still forgave me while I was yet a sinner. Amen? He died for me while I was yet a sinner. So we have to ask ourselves, is there a discrepancy in our lives between our understanding of forgiveness and our willingness to actually grant it to others? Is there a discrepancy? Because the truth of it is, it's one thing to know what forgiveness is. It's, it's one thing to, to quote Matthew chapter 6, to, to quote the red letters of Jesus. It's one thing to know what the Bible says, but it's another thing to actually live it out. So is there a discrepancy in, in our lives between our knowledge and our understanding of forgiveness and our actual willingness to do it. There was a, a respected counselor and author named David Siemens. He said this, he observed that most emotional problems among evan evangelical Christians are caused by the failure to understand, receive, and live out God's unconditional love, forgiveness, and grace to other people. Most of your problems, emotional problems, will be because you don't really understand God's forgiveness towards you and you're not willing to then forgive other people. This issue of, of forgiveness is something that we really deal with every single day. Um, occasionally, it's a, a major crisis that forces us to choose between forgiveness and unforgiveness. You know, there's, there's situations that come up, major crises, unfaithful spouses, unwanted divorce, unfair termination from your job, sexual abuse that you've experienced as a child, a slanderous rumor that has cost you your reputation. These are some major crises that, that you may have faced, but a lot of times, most of the time, it's just lesser offenses that we have to deal with. You know, being overlooked, being betrayed by a friend, a, a fight with your spouse. They may have said something that, was just, that hurt you. Uh, mistreatment by a brother and sister, even in this church. These are lesser offenses that we do have to deal with. And we, we are, uh, most days, most weeks, we will have to make a decision just to forgive somebody, to let it go. This is a, a daily walk, and life does happen. So regardless of the, the size of the offense, um, forgiveness is not usually the preferred response. It's just not natural to us. But we have to ask ourselves, why do Christians, and I'm not, I'm not laying the blanket on the, on, on the church, but uh, why do Christians who have been forgiven so much, so much, have such a difficulty 
forgiving others. Okay? So that, that's, that's a question you have to ask yourself. If you're having a difficulty forgiving somebody, you've got to remember how much you have been forgiven. So we're just going to look at that there, there are several reasons here why you maybe can't forgive. Uh, reason number one is you don't understand uh, what forgiveness is and what it isn't. Um, there was a, a research group that did a study uh, basically on the misunderstanding of forgiveness. And uh, they went out and did a survey. They asked people questions. And uh, they asked them these four questions. And I'm just going to, um, and basically are th- th- these four statements, and they were to respond to these statements as accurate or inaccurate, dis- uh, they, whether they were accurate or inaccurate description of forgiveness. So what the first statement it says is, you cannot honestly forgive someone unless that person shows some remorse for what they did. So ask, is that accurate or is that inaccurate? If you, re- if you really forgive someone, you would want that person to be released from the consequences of their actions. Accurate or inaccurate? Don't, don't say it out loud. Accurate or inaccurate? If you genuinely forgive someone, you should rebuild your relationship with that person. If you have really forgiven someone, you should be able to forget what they have done to you. So the, the, the responses to these questions were overwhelmingly answered wrongly according to a biblical perspective. The biblical perspective to each of these statements is wrong. Okay? Is wrong. And uh, we're going to get into this. This may be a two-part deal. But this is where we struggle with an accurate biblical perspective of forgiveness. And really, uh, and sometimes we don't forgive because... uh, we don't completely understand it. We're going to get into some of that. But a failure to understand the true nature of forgiveness leads to prolonged bitterness. It leads to fears and unnecessary guilt, and it prevents us from receiving and granting life's most important gift, and that's forgiveness. Okay, so the first reason we have trouble forgiving is we don't completely understand it. And I'm going to go back through um, some of those statements at some point in this series, kind of picking it apart according to a biblical perspective. But we don't completely understand it biblically. The second reason you may have trouble forgiving is you ride the guilt blame seesaw. And I was, as I was studying this out, this is a for real thing. Yeah, I believe I, I was I was studying this. I was like, I've done this. Like I, this is so it's so natural to the flesh to do this, but we ride the guilt blame seesaw, and we we understand that when we were children, you know, on the seesaw, that if uh, if there was you know somebody on the other side of the seesaw that got off quickly, what would happen? There would be a crash. And what we call it in our family is on your dumpa. That's what we call it, the bumper. There would be a crash down if one person got off the seesaw um, all of a sudden. There would be a crash. And the only way you and your partner could ensure a safe landing um, to get off that seesaw was to do it simultaneously. And when you're seven years old, that very rarely happened. I remember like, you know, okay, we're going to get off right now. And then they would just get off and, and drop you. But in the human mind, there is a seesaw with one side labeled guilt and the other side labeled blame. And the only way to keep the seesaw in balance is to make sure you have enough blame to balance your guilt. So guilty... You're, 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 we're guilty with a, a pointed finger a lot of times pointed in, in the wrong direction. 
And so the more guilt you feel for your own mistakes, the the more blame you must pile onto somebody else so you can keep your emotional equilibrium. You following me this morning? Okay? I've, I've done this. My kids do this all the time with their brother and sister. They're guilty, and they just immediately say, Chandler did it. Shayla did it. Of course, now we all just blame Adley for everything. <laughs> and she's usually the one who did it. But we have this guilt, so we, we, we point across the seesaw to try keep emotional equilibrium. I'm here to tell you there's a better way. <laughs> there's a better way to have emotional equilibrium. Okay, and we're going to get into that. But, but it, what happens if you suddenly get rid of the blame towards others and you forgive them? If you just suddenly forgive them through forgiveness, what happens? You come to a crash, <laughs> Because you haven't also removed your guilt at the same time. Okay? You will emotionally crash if you, if you get rid of the guilt without getting rid of the blame. Or if you get rid of the blame without getting rid of the guilt at the same time. But self-preservation uh, keeps us from forgiving. And we don't want to grant forgiveness and be left holding this huge bag of personal guilt. Okay? So in reality, it is our guilt for our own personal failures in our relationships that oftentimes prohibits us from forgiving other people. If we do choose to forgive, we will attach blame to someone else to keep an emotional balance. And, and we, I see this all the time in relationships. And it's one reason that we're hesitant to forgive people is that it is much easier and safer to blame others for our problems than to blame the most logical culprit, which is usually us. It's usually me. My biggest problem in my life is me. It's not anybody else. Uh, the source of most of my problems in my life is me. It's not anybody else. Okay? And that's a lot of guilt to take on without Jesus helping you. Okay? That's a lot to take on without the Holy Ghost. Amen? The only way to get off the, see the seesaw, the guilt-blame seesaw safely is to remove your guilt and stop blaming others at the same time. But how do I remove my guilt? That's where we get to point number three, okay? Point number three is I can't give away what I don't possess. I can't give away what I don't possess. And it's, it's really impossible to impart, to, to impart or to give something to somebody else that you have never really fully experienced. Okay? Uh, if you, if you're going to have a hard time testifying of something, of an experience that you've never experienced yourself. And, uh, and the majority, the truth of it is the majority of people on, 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 on the planet have never really experienced the unconditional forgiveness of God. And it, and it shows that, uh, that, that, you know, that there are many people who struggle forgiving others because they've never experienced it themselves. And you can't, you just simply can't give away what you don't already possess. So those who are forgiven should have a much easier time forgiving. Okay? Those who are forgiven, E-N, should have a much easier time forgiving, I-N-G. Okay? And this is the great thing about 
um, the church. This is the great thing about uh, the gospel message is that we serve, we know a God who did forgive us. I've experienced forgiveness when I didn't deserve it. I experienced God taking this guilt away from me. Amen. And when you truly have experienced that, it's so much easier to forgive somebody else. Okay, and this is really the key. This is the gospel. This is really the gospel message lived out. Like if you, if you really want to live out the gospel, forgive people. <laughs> Don't hold grudges because you know that you've been forgiven for something that you didn't deserve to be forgiven for. So this should mean, this really should mean that the church should be the most forgiving people on planet earth. Okay? We should be professional experts at forgiving. We should be so good at it. As a matter of fact, we should love it. We should, if we want to be like Christ, the Bible says that he delights in mercy. He can't wait to forgive somebody. <laughs> That's how the church needs to be. That, if we want to be like Christ, if we want to, to bear his image, we should be a group of people in this room who are so, we just forgive people. So, like we don't hold grudges. You know, I, 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 there's something I made up in my mind a few years ago that I was never again, never again going to get road rage. Ever. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Man, people get mad on the road, like good, nice people. <laughs> and I just, I determined like, because I'm not really that great of a driver. And I, I'll admit I'm distracted. As a matter of fact, the other day, I found out that this Toyota pickup like has an emergency feature where if you're getting ready to rear-end somebody, it slams on the brakes for you. It scared the bejeebies out of me. I had stuff all over my pickup, my coffee all over the place. I did, and I didn't, I, thank God I didn't rear-end the, per, the people, the, you know, the car because it slammed on my brakes for me. And I just drove right to the car wash because I had coffee everywhere. I'm not a very good driver. But I just determined that I'm never again going to go like this to anybody or, or give anybody a look because they cut me off or anything like that. Because you want to know what? I've done it before. <laughs> the other day I was in the wrong lane, cut somebody off, and I said, I am so sorry. I didn't mean to. All this, it was on Century and, uh, no, uh, Divide and States. They, like, messed all that up. They messed it up. Like, if you want to be in the straight through lane, you got to go way over now. That used to be the turning lane. And I was, like, in the turning lane wanting to go straight, and this guy gave me the, you know, told me how many friends he has. <laughs> and I just, I just waved at him and smiled. And uh, because the truth of it is, now when somebody cuts me off, I didn't really like what that guy did to me. If somebody cuts me off now, what should I do to them? It's okay. It's okay. I've done it before. Merge. <laughs> go right ahead. I've done it before. I'm, I don't think you did that on purpose. Just go ahead. This is what I'm talking, this is like, this is, this is, this is, it. it's lived out right here. I've sinned before, but my father forgave me. So when you, when you, when you offend me, you know, something was stated at general conference this year that every Christian has got to be, has, has got to get this down into their soul that you will make a commitment and you will absolutely refuse to be offended. Like, it has no place 
in your life. That you will not be offended. That's, that's, that's a tough saying. That's a tough thing. That you will never, say, say it with me, I will never be offended. You can do it with the help of the Holy Ghost. You can do it with the help of the Holy Ghost. God can help you with this. And when you live this way, it is, there is a freedom that comes with it. There is a joy that comes with it. And you don't need to live in bondage all the time over little things that maybe aren't going your way and little things that people say to you and, and all these sorts of things because life happens and people are mean sometimes. And it's just not fair sometimes. But if you will just get it down in your soul that you will never be offended. And when that offense comes, just take it to Jesus. Just take it to him. So we've got to, we've got to really, this whole forgiveness thing, it's one thing to know about it, like I said. But we've got to learn to, to love it. We've got to learn to live it. I don't want to just be able to quote you the scriptures, but I want to live this out in my life. Amen. Ephesians 4 and 32 says, and be ye kind one to another. Just be kind to one another. That person might not be kind to you. Just be kind one to another. Tender-hearted. Forgiving one another. Forgiving one another. Even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. There is a, an inseparable link between receiving God's forgiveness and granting forgiveness to others. That verse says, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. That's the hinge relating God's grace to our forgiveness of others. Amen. Can only Christians forgive? Of course not. The Bible, uh, the Bible does teach, however, that, that Christians should find it easier to forgive based on their experience with God forgiving them. Amen. We, again, I say this, we should be professional experts at forgiving. You know, I've, I've heard these stories where, you know, you know, there's a, a, somebody who murdered their, their, you know, another family's daughter and did all, you know, this world's crazy and there's a lot of perversion and, and all this sorts, you know, these sorts of things. And, and so, you know, there's a murderer who, who, you know, took advantage of this family's daughter and murdered her and buried her and all, all there's stories like this all over the place. And, and in the courtroom, when they're sentencing, sentencing this man to prison for life or maybe even death, the mama and the daddy of that girl, they forgive him. Uh, you, guys have, you guys have seen these stories. You guys have read about them. They forgive him. And, and uh, they, they make a statement in the courtroom. You know, sometimes they'll even pray for him. I'm like, wow. That's... That's, uh, that's amazing. It's almost unbelievable. But that's how the church should work. There should be situations that have happened to you in your life that, that you know, are tough to forgive, but you just forgive. You become an expert, professional at forgiving. Again, this is something we've got to get down in our soul. Luke 7 and verse 41 says, there was a certain creditor which had two debtors. And the one owed 500 pence and the other 
50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. He says, tell me therefore which of them will love him most. And Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave the most. And he said unto him, thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house. Thou gavest me no water for my feet, but she hath washed my feet with tears and has wiped them with the hairs of her head. And thou gavest me no kiss, but the woman since the time I came in hath not ceased to kiss my feet. And my head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. And wherefore I say unto thee, her sins which are many are forgiven. For she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little." And both Simon and this lady suffered. They both suffered from a terminal disease of sin. And both were in need of forgiveness from Jesus. And the only difference was their awareness of their condition. You know, this lady understood her need for forgiveness. And Simon seemed to deny his need and didn't really deny the condition that he was in. But the truth of it is, is, and we know this, that, that all have sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. And I know that tomorrow morning when I wake up, that I'm just, I, I need the mercies of God. That I, I fall short. I can't do this on my own. I mess up. And I need God to forgive me. I need it. Every day, I need the forgiveness of God. Am I the only one in that camp? If you need it, you've got to realize that you've got to give it. Amazingly, most people reject God's offer of forgiveness. But those who accept God's invitation are in the best position to understand what grace is all about, granting to others what they do not deserve, things that they do not earn or sometimes even request. So we ask ourselves, why do we struggle forgiving? Maybe you don't understand it completely. Maybe you're afraid of doing it, but most likely you just really haven't experienced it. And the good news today is that God's unconditional forgiveness is available for you today. If you are living with guilt and you're living with shame, God wants to wash it all away today. He wants to forgive you of everything that you've ever done. He wants to send it as far as the east is from the west. Amen. He wants to completely wash it away in your lives and you'll never be held to that that crime and to that failure again. He will never hold it against you again. And that's available for us today. Matthew 6 and 12 says, And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So there's several reasons there that that you may have trouble forgiving. And there are also four strong reasons that I want to cover quickly on why we should forgive. On why we should forgive. Matthew 18 and 23, we're going to read this story. It says, Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take accounts of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him, which owed him 10,000 talents. And but as for as much as he had, had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold and his wife and his children and all that he had and, and payment to be made. And the servant therefore fell down and worshiped him saying, Lord, have patience with me and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of the servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him an hundred pence 
And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. And his fellow servant, fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. And then his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt, because thou desirest me. Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And the Lord was wroth, and delivered him to the tormentors, till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses." That's a pretty, pretty uh, serious story about uh, a servant who owed a lot of money and he begged for forgiveness and, and the master let him go. And a couple, little while passed and the one who was freed went to somebody who owed him just a little bit and demanded that he would pay him back. So talking about four reasons that we should forgive. Number one, forgiveness is often the only way to settle a debt. This master just wanted to clear the pages. He wanted to reconcile the checkbook, just clear it out. And realistically, what alternative um, to forgiveness did this king have? He didn't have to release the slave, but would the slave's imprisonment have resulted in even one dollar returning to the king? Was there any advantage to be gained by demanding that the slave re- remain behind the, bar, you know, the, the, the bars of the prison for the rest of his life? Was there any advantage to that? And the king here was smart enough to realize that he was holding a debt that was not collectible. Many people struggle with offering forgiveness because they are unaware that they are holding a worthless debt. They mistakenly believe that there's some payment that they can extract from their offender that will compensate for their loss. (laughs) Understandably, they want vengeance. I think we've all been there before. We want to be repaid for what was taken from us, from the offense that happened in our life. We want vengeance. But the truth is, is that very few sinners have the resources to pay for their offenses. And this is why we can thank Jesus Christ. Amen, that he paid the fee. He became the crime. He, he became the, 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 what needed to be paid. So what satisfactory payment could someone give you to compensate for a child killed by a drunk driver? A reputation slandered by a false rumor. A marriage destroyed by infidelity, a child innocent stolen by an immoral relative. What could be repaid to you to make up for this? Gandhi observed, he said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth cannot sustain itself forever. Ultimately, both parties end up blind and toothless. So suddenly, all of a sudden, Jesus' outlandish solution for turning the other cheek seems to be a whole lot more reasonable. 
He understood that forgiveness is sometimes the only way to break the endless cycle of hurt and unfairness. I know this is, this is kind of like pointed, but I, and, I, and, and every single one of us in this room has, has dealt with situations. And I believe that God is calling us today. And again, how you receive this right now will and could determine the path of the rest of your life. That's how serious of a thing forgiveness is. And if you don't feel like you even have it in you to forgive, I know there's times where you just, you, you, you're, you're so hurt. There's so much pain and there's so much shame that somebody has hurt you. I'm here to tell you that First of all, God wants to forgive you and he is going to help you forgive others. That in that situation and in that hurt and pain, there can be a calm order, a peace about the situation and God will help you forgive Forgiveness frees us to get on with the rest of our lives. I have observed people who seem to stay stuck where they're at year after year. I've observed people even in their walk with God, they just seem like they can't go any further. In their ministry, there's just no breakthrough And I believe a big part of this is forgiveness. Forgiveness will free you to get on with your life and for God to really do what he wants to do. The king in this this story that we read was smart enough to realize that he had too many responsibilities to allow himself to be distracted by one man's obligation. And sometimes the only sensible option is to cut our losses rather than risk needless preoccupation with a hopeless situation. Why should the king spend every waking moment checking with the bookkeeper and neglect the rest of his kingdom duties? The devil will use unforgiveness as a distraction where you are constantly playing it out in your mind and you're constantly looking for that moment to to be repaid back. You're constantly looking, you're dreaming of that moment of vengeance and all the while there's a whole life for you to live. Each one of us will have many situations arise in our lives where we are much more concerned about someone's obligation to us than they are. We've got to learn to just let it go. But if, if we hold on to that offense, we in effect become an emotional hostage to our offender. You know, one comedian said it this way, he says, I've had a few arguments with people, but I never carry a grudge. You know why? He says, because while you're carrying a grudge, they're out dancing. And one of the best reasons for forgiving someone is not what it does for them, but it's what it does for you. Letting go of a rattlesnake might help the snake a little bit, but it's going to help you as well. (laughs) Hebrews 12 and 1 says, it says, wherefore seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. It says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. I've, I've come to the realization that people are gonna say things to me. People will, um, you know, pe- there's just some people that don't like me. I understand that and and I, it's not that I don't want people to like me, but I, I, I got to keep moving on. I can't be drugged back by somebody who has a problem with me. 
And of course, I want to make things right with people. I don't want to, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to cause any sort of uh, disunity, but I can't let other people's issues become my issues. I can't own them and carry them with me everywhere. I just got to forgive and, and move on with the rest of your life. God will help you with that. Number three, forgiveness is an antidote or a, or a medicine to needless suffering. Can you imagine the relief the servant must have felt as he left the palace knowing that his million-dollar debt had been forgiven? What a, what a freedom it was to forgive and to be forgiven. And of course, uh, he, uh, he had an evil thought that entered his mind and he went back and, and, and required that this other, you know, this other person owed him money that he would repay him after he had just been forgiven a million dollar debt. And we read that story in verse 34 and 35, it says, And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due to him. So he was forgiven that debt, and since he didn't forgive somebody else, it seems according to this story that his debt that he was already forgiven was placed back on him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not everyone his brother their trespasses. God is calling us today to forgive, to let it go. John MacArthur, he says, unforgiveness is a toxin. It poisons the heart and mind with bitterness, distorting one's whole perspective on life. Unforgiveness in your heart can blur your vision for, on, on everything else. Every other facet won't be quite right when you got unforgiveness in your heart. It says anger, resentment, and sorrow begin to overshadow and overwhelm the unforgiving person. A kind of soul pollution that inflames evil appetites and evil emotions. That's what John MacArthur said. The, Bible for, the Bible's term for unforgiveness is bitterness. And the Greek word translated bitter comes from the word meaning sharp or, or pointed. And just as there are certain tastes and smells that are sharp to the senses, all of us can recall offenses committed against us that may have occurred years ago, but they still hurt us when we turn them over in our minds. Don't risk poisoning your life by holding on to an old, old grievance. Hebrews 12 and 15 says, Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble, and thereby many be defiled. So with every offense comes a choice. We can either hold on to it, and we can become bitter, or we can release it and become better. Continually reliving these, these hurts and experience it, experiences in our lives infects not only our life, but the lives of those around us. One of the, one of the strongest arguments for forgiveness is the consequences of unforgiveness. There's a gentleman that said, he said this, he said, of the seven deadly sins, anger is possibly the most fun. He said, to lick your wounds, to smack your lips over grievances long past, to roll over your tongue the prospect of bitter confrontations still to come, to savor to the last toothsome morsel both the pain you are given and the pain you are giving back. In many ways, it is a feast fit for a king. The chief drawback is that what you are wolfing down 
is yourself. The skeleton at the feast is you. Little word picture there of bitterness, seeking vengeance on those that have hurt us. A fourth reason to forgive is forgiveness is the obligation of the forgiven. It's we are obligated to forgive because we've been forgiven. And the Bible teaches this inseparable link between receiving and granting forgiveness. Jesus' parable teaches that our personal sin against God has produced an obligation we can never hope to repay. But the king forgave us. You may think that you have a right to collect a debt owed to you. But you have a higher obligation to release them from that debt. Considering that we have been forgiven so much. Forgiveness is the obligation of the forgiven. It must be astonishing sometimes to God that those who have been forgiven so much would refuse to forgive so little. Amen. So today, actually this is about half of this lesson. I might touch on this again um, whenever I'm scheduled next to to teach Sunday morning. But I pray that today as we go into this next service, I believe that God wants to heal some things in this place. I believe God wants to wash away some sin in this place. He wants to fill some people with the Holy Ghost. He wants his spirit living inside of you. And if you can come with a clear conscience, a clear heart that you have forgiven those people who have trespassed against you, God will help you, amen? Let's all stand this morning. We just have a couple minutes. Jesus, we love you. Thank you for your goodness and your mercy today. God, just have your hand upon each and every single one of us here today. God, that you would touch and bless this next service. God, we're believing for a breakthrough, a a mighty outpouring of your spirit, oh God. God, that you would touch every man, woman, and child here today, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed for five minutes. We'll get started in five minutes. Thank you.